Welcome to the Team Building Podcast, where you'll learn how to build a dominant real estate team in your market. Featuring masterminds with team leaders and mega agents, plus in-depth interviews with operations managers and marketing directors of some of the top teams in the country. You'll learn the latest methods to generate and convert leads, streamline your operations, recruit and train better agents, and raise your profit. And now, here's the latest Team Building Podcast. Hey, what's up, you guys? Jeff Cohn here with another episode of the Team Building Podcast, where we interview top team leaders, broker owners, and thought leaders from across the country. We have Mr. Nick Cooley with us, reigning from Denver, Colorado. Nick is a thought leader when it comes to running the hybrid agent model, where he's both a residential agent and an investor. Nick, welcome to the call today. Oh, man. Uh, Honored to be here uh, and great chatting with you so far. Sure, we're going to have a great conversation. Well, in perfect investment fashion, I am rocking my newest piece of merch, which is a $30 hat. I don't know how Clint Bartlett managed to spend so much money on merchandise, but if you're a merchant seller, you should sell to Clint because he likes to spend lots of money on cool stuff. This is a leather patch that says Cash Offer Omaha. And that is what we call our investment arm that's in Omaha, Nebraska. So Nick, you and I will have a lot in common today as we go through this ideation. For those investors out there, this is an episode for you. For those aspiring investors or people that have not even considered it, this is also for you because Nick has not hit the point where he's at 10,000 doors. He's somewhat new to the investment arena and is having a ton of success. And especially the location where he's having success is a challenge in Denver, Colorado, where most of you have probably heard their inventory is very low. Last I heard, I think I'm good friends with the Griffith brothers. They're over at Remax. I think uh, Dustin was saying they had like 50 listings, like in all of Denver, like 50 listings. What is it right now? Do you know, Nick? I do. It's pretty incredible. Um, I think active on a monthly basis, we have about 1,200 listings uh, for a city of yeah. up on 4 million people. Yeah. When I was going to say Omaha, Nebraska, which has to be way smaller, we have a million in the whole metro area. Uh, but in the city limits, I think we're at like 350,000 people. We sell 1,000 houses a month. We have about 12,000 a year. I have to imagine Denver's 5X, even 10X that. So to only add 1,000 listings, you guys are at a huge seller's market. And I guarantee there's lots of demand. And that's what's driven your prices up so high. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of people that say that uh, we have an inventory problem, which I kind of have a, a little bit of a bone to pick with. It's solely because last year, we broke the record for the number of closings that occurred. And it's like, how can you break the number of closings if you don't have inventory? Very interesting. But instead, the demand is astronomical. And I know I've heard, and correct me if I'm wrong, there's a few reasons demand is so high in Denver. Obviously, it's a major city. People love living there. There's great outdoor lifestyle. Um, you got skiing within 45 minutes in several directions. You've got tons of outdoor activities. But I see a lot of people in coastal regions who are getting sick of a lot of the stuff going on, no matter what side of the political... Um, arm you're on, they're just sick of it. And so they're leaving major populaces on the coast, either side, and they're coming to Denver. Absolutely. That's happening. Yep. Okay. Um, and then, uh, uh, go ahead. I was going to say number two, I've heard, and this is could also be a rumor. Of course, the federal government has yet to legalize THC. Um, the state of Colorado has chosen to go to against the federal government, to my understanding, and has chosen to legalize uh, the sale of THC, which is marijuana. And a lot of people in the marijuana business have yet to be able to put that money into banks. And so they have, they're a very cash heavy business. And so instead of putting that money in crypto or some of the other options that they have, they've chosen to just buy real estate. 
which I think is a great place to put cash. That's where we put a lot of our disposable revenue as well uh, when we're cash flowing on property. And so if you've got all these marijuana businesses with extra millions and millions and millions of dollars and you're buying property in the city in which you reside, you're going to drive the prices up and you're going to make it so there's less production. Absolutely. Yeah, it's the perfect storm to cause dramatic price appreciation, which... Number three, interest rates at an all-time historic low. <laughs> like, <laughs> it needs to keep going, low. dude. Yeah, yeah. Interest rates at an all-time like, the It's the perfect storm. And then number four, inflation. So you've got all these things working against you, but yet you and your wife have found a way to be successful. So let's start off with who you are. Let's spend 60 seconds on that. Of course, on our show, I follow The Rock Thomas Creed, never apologize for being awesome. Our audience doesn't want to know your humility. They want to know your success. Talk about it, brag about it. You deserve it. You've worked it. So let's hear about where you came from. And then let's go through a few of the deals that you've done. And I think that'll give context to anyone out there that's not a major investor. Maybe you've dabbled or you're considering to dabble. Nick's going to talk us through some really unique strategies that he has found are ways to find in Denver, right? Find deals that make sense. Find deals without having to put a lot of money in. We're going to get into that Burr strategy a little bit that we've talked to David Green about in the past, who's the host of Bigger Pockets, and some other fun stuff. So buckle up and let's go. Yeah, man. Happy to. So uh, a big part of my story is about seven years ago, I was sleeping out of my car from time to time. And so I think there's a big misnomer for people that you have to be a trust fund kid in order to be an investor. And I'm telling you, I started from below zero. So get rid of that idea. It's total BS. At least you had a car. (laughs) Hey, man. Yeah. You can get worse. Yeah, totally can. Um, and that's not like a braggadocious point, but it's just the reality. Like if this is what you set your mind to, you can do it. Right. Um, so that was in, we got our first deal in Denver in 2016, uh, with an FHA 5% down primary residence, uh, just because, Oh, anyway, we'll get into that, but that's what started us off and, uh, have always been focused on buy and hold investing, um, primarily as a means of wealth growth. Uh, I'm also pretty critical about the real estate investing community's cash flow infatuation. Uh, and just last year, we bought, sold, traded, wholesaled uh, our way into adding another you know, $3 million worth of real estate to our personal portfolio. Awesome. Yeah, cash flow uh, is king or you go upside down. So for anyone that doesn't know a lot about that, a great book that speaks to it is Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm-hmm. And I think a qualifier, since I kind of talk shit about cash flow there for a second, um, I view cash flow as important only in that it's insulation against a downward market. Yep. I think because Instagram hashtags and all this other crap have gotten so popular, people are looking at cash flow as a means to quit their job ASAP. Mm. When in reality, like that's the only thing protecting your main means of growing your wealth. Like it should be viewed as insulation, not as your new spending account. Mm, interesting. Well, I think the active role we play inside of our worlds also makes a big difference. So everyone gets to choose what their job is. Uh, a business, as I've talked a lot about this on our podcast, as a, I would say, entrepreneurial junkie, a business is something that should be able to grow without us being necessary. And that's really, when I look at investment portfolios, to your point, if they are appreciating in value, you're going to grow your cash flow without doing anything. But if you're just stealing all that cash flow and not using it to roll it into the next property or pay down your, your rate, then you're just robbing your company of its ability to grow. The same thing can happen with your current real estate team you're running or a tanning salon that you run. If all the profit's going in your back pocket, and you're not taking a percentage of it to grow your business. 
your business will never grow and you're just paying yourself for your role in your job. So I think that's a good point, Nick. Thank you. Yeah. Cool. So let's talk about a deal, man. You got all these people listening who've sold hundreds of deals, thousands of deals, uh, me being one of them before I ever really invested. I, a lot of people told me to invest, but I just didn't really know how to get started. I knew how to find a good deal, but I didn't really know how do I buy it? How do I structure it? Do I hold it? Do I sell it? Do I flip it? Do I wholetail it? Do I, you know, what do I do? And what's the best property to do it with? And, you know, I'm in front of all these deals all the time, but I was helping other investors and I didn't really know how they made their money. I didn't know how they got their money. I, I didn't really know a lot about it. So we have a lot of people, I think that probably fit into that mold on the, on our podcast, um, our listeners. And I just think it'd be fun to kind of go through maybe two or three examples of deals that you guys have done in the last year or so. You said you did over $3 million of acquisitions just in the last 12 months. So let's take, a, take our group through some of these deals. Totally. Um, I'll start first one with maybe like, something that I, I truly believe that anybody can do, right? Um, deal number one is in an area of Denver called Capitol Hill or Cap Hill, uh, close to downtown, super hipstery. Uh, and one of the things that we bear in mind is we have a very intentional product market fit on all the rentals that we build out. I'm not just like willy-nilly trying to figure out, oh, well, this spreadsheet says we're going to get a 15% cash on cash return. So it's a good deal. We're very intentional, my wife and I, about all of our rentals are custom made for a specific tenant. Uh, in Denver, there's a lot of tech jobs moving here, Google, Facebook, uh, Tesla, SpaceX. And so everything that we buy and then renovate, we're renovating it with the intention of having a Salesforce sales uh, account executive being our end tenant. So... Uh, the three areas that we look for, and again, we specialize on buy and hold, is I want really strong rent price, again, because we're targeting people that are making $150 a year to be our tenant. Uh, number two, I want really strong rental demand. I want people that want to be there. And then number three, I want the opportunity to reasonably expect the price to double about every 10 years. And so this deal in Cap Hill, we bought off market uh, last summer during the crazy you know, bidding frenzy that I'm sure everybody was experiencing across the country. Uh, we bought that for $550,000. It's a two bed, two bath. When we got it, we put about 70 grand into it, uh, during a full renovation. And it's probably worth about 750 today. So we did do a burr out of that. And now it rents for about $3,500 a month, which after all of our expenses, uh, the cash flow metric is about $600 which isn't crazy. But again, we created about $100,000 of equity in three months. And also the thing that's crazy is you probably got your original cash back out. Did you talk Sorry. on that? When you ran through that, did you tell the audience how much you had to put down? Uh, so we did use... Uh, I didn't, but I can't. I'm happy to. Because okay, um, I really want to... I'm going to break this one deal down a little bit and ask some more challenging questions. But it's easy to say, oh, bought a 550 house, right? Bird out to 750. And Burr, by the way, is by... You buy a property, you renovate the property, you rent out the property, you then go and you refi it. So it's like a home equity line of credit off of this property. You don't have to pay a taxable event because you're just pulling your own equity out into a line of credit that you can then use for anything. You could buy a car with it. You could buy your next property with it. And then you repeat it. So you buy, you renovate, you rent, you refinance, you repeat. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So, so your down payment, right? On 550 is typically 25%. There's a lot of different ways to structure it down, but that's usually what we see. And so what I utilized is I have a good relationship with a hard money lender here 
here in Denver. Love and it. so we were able to get uh, 10% down basically because the, the loan on that hard money loan was 90% LTC. The 550 was a hard. Uh, the 550 was the purchase price. Right. So we had to come out of pocket 50 to actually okay. acquire it. But the hard money loan wasn't for your down. It was for the entire acquisition. Exactly. And why I'm creating this delineation, you guys, is because you have options of both ways. There's banks that'll let you get hard money for the down. A lot of people would be leery probably to do a hard money loan because they're in second position. And when you talk positions of financing, it's essentially who gets paid first if there's a foreclosure event. But there's hard money that Nick, you're saying you went to. And hard money is like the new way for, for saying loan shark. Back in like the 1920s, the joke is like the mafia would loan money and they'd beat you up if you didn't pay them back. Today, you just take your property back and you go into bankruptcy. So like no one's getting beat up. No one's going to jail, hopefully. Um, but it, it's actually, I think, a great strategy when you don't have money. And usually the interest rates aren't too crazy. Like legally in each state, it, it controls how much they can charge. It's similar, I think, to the credit card rates in each state. I know Nebraska, uh, the most successful hard money company here gets 18%, but they could, charge, they could charge up to 25%. And then some of them will charge points. So like up front, you've got to pay two points, which is like 2% of the final sales price. But all of them are set up different. Talk real quick about what your hard money looks like. And then our audience members can think about this. When you go to like a, a local meet, uh, real estate meetup, there's going to be someone there that has a yeah. connection or is the someone who would loan you a half a million or a hundred thousand. And they already know the numbers. They run the deals and they know if you screw it up, you found the deal. So they're going to loan you the money. They're going to take first position. And if you screw it up, they're just going to take the property back. They really don't lose. They'll win if you screw up. They probably almost secretly want you to screw up. Totally. So they can take the deal and have that instant hundred grand of equity. So sorry, I keep talking about it, but talk real quick about the hard money because it doesn't get spoken of enough. And I think it's valuable. You're good, man. I'm, I'm glad to share the passion with you. Um, two quick things on it. Uh, before I go into like my specific rates that I pay mm -hmm. number one, and you alluded to this already, Jeff, um, the hard money lender doesn't really care about you as the borrower so much as they care about the deal. Mm -hmm. So especially if you're a new, if you're an agent that's familiar with real estate as an asset class, but just getting into investing, realize that these hard money lenders can kind of act like bumpers on the bowling alley. They're not going to let you buy a shitty deal solely because it's their money that they're putting up into the deal. So think about them as like another advisor to make sure that you're not getting in above your skis. Number two, since this is usually kept on a portfolio and it's not sold off to Fannie or Freddie, um, it's all negotiable, right? And Jeff mentioned this too, for those of you guys that were listening that, uh, you know, maybe you'll pay points, maybe you don't, maybe the rate is this, maybe it's that. When you're first starting out and you don't have a track record, it's going to be the most expensive hard money loan. However, if Jeff goes to this company in Omaha and says, Hey, I found this killer deal. I want you to fund 100% of it. No points at 9% interest. You can get that deal done. So it's all available for negotiation. With that being said, the range of kind of stuff that we're seeing here in Denver are anywhere from zero points to two points origination, depending on experience. And then the interest is anywhere from seven to, I would say, 12 to maybe 14% on the high side. Yep. And what people don't realize, you hear that number and even 18, you think, whoa, 18%. That's if it would take 12 months. So if it's only three months, it's only 18% in the three month range. So you look at the total dollar amount. I mean, I could run the numbers really quick. I'll just do it really quick. 
So on 550,000, how much you put 10% down of 550. Yes, so you put 50 yep. grand down, right? You're borrowing yep. essentially $500,000. Let's do your number. What was your interest rate? So I get uh, basically nine nope. points. I, uh, and don't show, you don't have to share your special deal. What would their normal deal be? Call it nine, nine percent. I, I can get your followers nine. I feel okay. pretty good about that. So that's 45 grand if it took you a year to pay it back, but that you, you probably got them made whole in how long? Uh, we did in and out in about three months. So 3750 is the monthly. Call it yep. four months in and out. They made $15,000. Or sorry, you lost 15, they netted 15, but that's a pretty damn good return for them to turn that around in just 3 or 4 months and then of course they use that investment as their their leverage. So if they if you did make a mistake and couldn't make the payments back or you messed up on the build out or whatever the case was, they knew they could just jump in and take over that property. So that's how hard money works. The cool thing is a lot of us listening make enough money and have enough pay down against our house that you can use your own hard money. You can actually loan yourself money and charge an interest rate to your business entity if you have partners. So you could be your own hard money off of your home equity line of credit. And a lot of people are missing this where they don't recognize like with interest rates so low, if you have $200,000, let's say of equity in your house, you can use that for your first deal. You could even just use, let's say you're saying, well, Jeff, I don't have 200, but let's say you have 50 grand. You could use that as the down payment and you go to a bank and you get a loan or a line of credit to buy your first investment deal. They might not loan you the down payment money, but they'll at least loan you the money to acquire that first property and you flip it and then you do it again and you flip it and you do it again and you hold one and then you keep flipping and you do it again and again. And that's exactly how we built our portfolio up to a hundred doors and soon to be a thousand doors. So the hard money thing doesn't get discussed a lot. Thank you for kind of ideating around that with me, Nick, because it's yeah. fun. It's exciting for someone who doesn't have money. Who's like, how do you come up with it? There's money out there. And like you said, it's not about who you are. I mean, if you're a piece of crap and you've stolen a lot of people's money and you have 19 credit cards and haven't made any payments, they're not going to loan you money. They're going to run a credit check and they're going to do their due diligence. But if you're just someone that was living in your car and you've only worked at McDonald's for the last three years and you don't really have a lot to show for it, but you find an amazing deal that has a hundred grand of instant equity built into it, they'll probably work with you on that. Totally. So yeah, I like totally. that you said that it's about the deal. People worry about so many other things and it's never the other things. It's always the deal syndication well, deal, business deal, house, whatever the case is. And I think that one other thing that's worth it too, like for people that hear 18% and immediately put like blinders on, they're like, oh, won't do it, won't do that. To a certain extent, like now, luckily we're in a position that we could have just bought that all cash or ourselves. Yeah. yeah. But I will happily pay 9% IO from Amen. a standpoint of A, the velocity of my capital, because it allows me to work on three or four deals simultaneously. And B, it's insulation in case the market turns. I love it, dude. One hundred percent. Well, let's run the number thirty-seven fifty. Call it four thousand. Now let's go to eight thousand at eighteen percent. And you were three months, eight sixteen twenty-four, twenty-four grand. You said after you burned out, the new value came in at seven fifty, and you were able to have a hundred thousand of instant equity built into the property. That's a three x on the interest you paid. On money in, money out, you made yourself whole. Like you're playing with the house's money. My game that I always lose out at the casino is craps. <laughs> And my favorite thing to do is I'll bet on sixes and eights. I'll win and I'll press and I'll bet on sixes and eights and I'll press and I'll win on six eights and I'll press. I press. And then of course I'm going to get, someone's going to roll seven, including myself, but I'll usually will press twice and then I'll take the houses. I'll take the money back. And my favorite thing is just to be crazy. Once I have the house's money on the table, I can be as wild as I want to be. And I don't feel like I'm really risking that much because it's you're, not you're my money. Burrs. It's burr. I'm burring the cup table. <laughs> <clears throat> the problem is, is if someone rolls a seven right out of the gate when I'm heavy, 
<clears throat> then you're hurting. You're licking your chops. Yeah. That thankfully, that doesn't happen much in the investment world. But I will say, you will lose money on a deal. Be prepared for that. That's not a surprise. If you ever do lose money on a deal, make sure that's part of your business. I call it seepage, gross word, I know. But in every business, I think retail plans 10% of their, their product will be lost, stolen, you know, miscounted, whatever the case might be. So expect 10% of your deals you do. One out of 10 houses might be a break even, might be a loss. We've had a few that are just full on. Yep, we lost 50 grand. That sucks. But if you have enough winners, you can offset the losers. But don't think you'll never lose. Expect to lose. Plan for loss. Make it a part of your business model because it, you, everyone loses. And the more you lose, the more you win. I think that's especially the case as you scale, right? For a lot of people, once they first start getting a little bit of money, they immediately go into like turtle mode where it's like, I finally got my first yeah. 100 grand, 200 grand. I have to do everything in my power not to lose that money. Mm. And you're, you at that point are the biggest thing limiting your own growth. Oh, bro, I love what you're saying. So let me talk to you. Let me share one of my personal stories quickly. This just happened today. Oh, so I was sailing in St. John. Uh, it was a bucket list trip. My brother and I, my brother's certified to rent like 50 foot catamaran charter boats. So we take my mom and dad. Um, my dad just turned 65. My mom's going to be 65. So we're like, we're going to do this trip with my mom and dad, just my brother and I. And we're, we both are married with kids and stuff. We just were us four sailing nine days. My mom gets an email about a house that it's the market in my neighborhood. And it's my neighbor across the street who I'm friends with. And I say to my neighbor, I'm like, I call him up that night. I'm like, Hey, I just saw this listing. It wasn't for sale, but he was going to do like a FISBO open. And my mom ended, happened to be on this list of e emails that went out. And I said, Hey, Kent. And if he hears this, here you go, Kent. Here's the story. Going out <laughs> the whole world. Did I sign an NDA? Let's not say Kent. Let's say his name is Bob. So I'm like, Hey, Bob, um, this is your neighbor across the street. I don't want anyone else to buy the property. I want, he goes, what do you, what will you pay me? And I said, I'll pay you five over what you have it at. Cause he had already established what he wanted to that. So we purchased it. My intent wasn't to flip it or wholesale, um, or wholesale or hold. I, I wanted to do, um, a spec house, which is very unique. So we don't typically spec a house, but I love the neighborhood. It's my own neighborhood. So my intent is to do a spec. So we figure up the numbers. If I were to go put a million dollars house on, on top of this lot that I bought for 650 that has a house that we're going to tear down. Now we're like one, six, five in. I'm going to list it two, three or two, four and sell it for two, one. And maybe I make five or 600,000 net. It's a realistic deal. It's going to take 18 months and a lot of risk and time. So I established what's the, what's my return on this whole thing. And then what would it be if I just went, put it on the market for a million dollars and sold the lot and let someone else do it. And so that's the way we're going right now. And it's looking like it's going to sell for the million and it's going to make net 350. So of course, me and my business partner are ideating, going, okay, 350 in about a month and a half's time. We had to put, I think our, whatever the down payment was on 650, maybe we're a hundred thousand in. We didn't do anything. We didn't do any dirt work. We didn't do anything. So hundred grand in for two, a month and a half at a 5% interest rate. And we turn a $350,000 profit in less than six weeks. And that's about what's about to happen. So he and I are like, okay, we're 50, 50 partners. We can split the 350 and I can go pay off some, you know, notes here or debt here, or invest in this thing there. I could go buy a Ferrari. I could put a second swimming pool in my backyard. I mean, I can do whatever I want with my half. Right. But of course we're business people. And so Clint's like my, my partner who I talked about earlier, he's like, well, what could we put 350 into that we normally wouldn't put 350 into? And here we are playing with the house's money. And it started to be really fun. This is just this morning. So when you brought it up, I'm like, ooh, this is kind of a good segue because of course, we're not going to go just blow it. If we had wanted to blow it, we would have blown it already on other stuff, on other deals. But we're going to use it for something interesting, a unique Airbnb or a unique 
you know, eight unit portfolio or something like that. And I think you make a great point that we go to the turtle mode. It's, we go back to what was downloaded of, oh my gosh, I lived in a van down by the river, literally. (laughs) And I don't want to ever go back to that lifestyle. And I now have this big chunk of cheese. What if I just hide this cheese and I eat off of it? I know it's always going to be there for me. The challenge is how many other chunks are now not going to be created because I was reserving that little chunk for my next five years and I'm playing too much defense and not enough offense. So thank you for bringing it up. I thought I'd share that quick story to create context and then like a real life application of where I just was like, Ooh, I I would love to go buy a a ridiculous car that I should never own. And I will one day, but it's not the right time. yet. It's so funny. Like once you get to that point where you know that you can, and that's good enough. Yeah. You don't need it anymore. Well, dude, my dream car was a Range Rover. Like I always wanted a Range Rover. And then like, I had one on order when a new model came out like five or six years ago. And I like canceled the order. I'm like, I don't need a Range Rover. Why why did I need I don't think I ever really needed one. I just needed to know I could have one if I wanted to. Right. So cool, man. Well, I do want to, at this moment in the time, I want to invite you um, as my VIP guest, I'll cover your ticket costs to our next event. We're hosting in Omaha, Nebraska. One of the last weeks in March, you can find all event information and anything about our coaching product at growwithers.com. But our team building workshop that we host here is all day on investing and all day on team building. So it's two separate days. Clint Bartlett, my partner, who's built a $15 million portfolio in under five years with no investment experience, will be speaking all day on investing. And then I will be speaking along with my partner, Kevin McGowan and Andy Cuny, um, all on team building. So we'll get into the roles uh, of leveraged roles of operating partner, success manager, team builder. We'll get into culture, leads, accountability systems, and strategies. A lot of our current ERS clients who pay for a high-level team leader call and have agent calls on Mondays, Wednesdays, they'll be in attendance. So we usually get about 30 to 40 people. And it's at my office in Omaha, Nebraska. So you're in a 10,000 square foot office. It was a $1.5 million build out. We call ourselves a hybrid tech-powered office of the future. So there's some really neat concepts you'll see, like the studio. Dana, let's give them a quick view of the entire room. Oh, got an <laughs> yeah. apple for a second. Big room. There it is. The 300 <laughs> by 300 VR room. We've got a $5,000 grid system above us that houses mics, cameras, action. Um, really neat, neat facility that was kind of geared towards this next 50 years. We wanted to be in a position where we're preparing ourselves for uh, tech-powered big tech, uh, putting real estate investors and agents out of business and make sure that we are as tech powered, if not more tech powered in our own unique niches so that we can be the, the choice that people that know us like us trust us select when they want to buy or sell their next property. So really cool stuff with that. Again, go out to growwithers.com to learn more about that. And then our big event that we're starting to talk about this summer is the team building summit. And that is on June 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. And it also will have a flair for investors as well as team builders and broker owners. Uh, we have tons of huge sponsors that are coming like Sisu, Boomtown, Dotloop, WiseHire, Real Estate Investor, Rockerbox, Verley, Exarbon Mortgage, Exarbon Insurance, Platinum Title, a um, lot of national companies that will be represented there and a lot of amazing speakers. So we have more information about that. You can go out to theteambuildingsummit.com to learn more about that. Nick, there are people in your world that are going to start to know you like you trust you more, especially the more you're on these podcasts. I know you've had a lot of success in Denver and plan to start scaling into other locations. If someone wants to get into your world, set up a one-on-one call, um, pay you for coaching. I know you mentioned your $5,000 an hour, but I know it's worth it. How would someone go about getting in contact with you for that? Um, the easiest way probably is uh, Instagram. My handle is just I'm, I am Nick Cooley. 
and the last name is C-O-O-L-E-Y. You got the coolest um, name. Super jealous. Yeah. <laughs> Nick Cooley. <laughs> um, yeah. I am you. literally, I'm Nick Cooley. That's it. I'm Nick Cooley. Yep. Cool. Well, you've been an awesome guest. Like I said, we try to keep these episodes short and I kind of joked with Nick before we started. I try to make it as long as someone actually works out, not the amount of time they say they worked out. Most people say, oh yeah, I did the treadmill for 50 minutes. No, you didn't. You were on it for 20 minutes because you were talking to Dan and you were chatting with Heather and you got distracted like all of us do. But 25 minutes seems to be the right amount of time, but we'd definitely love to get you on again, Nick. I know we only got to go through one of your deals. Um, He has a lot of really interesting investment strategies to share. And if we do get you out to the workshop, it'd be cool to have you speak. So you could jump up for 20 minutes and tell your story. And I think you have a lot to talk about. If you really lived in your car, you can make some huge waves with that story from a motivational speaking standpoint inside the real estate investing community. Because everyone has has that story. Like not everyone has the, I lived in a car story, but everybody has the, I came from nothing story. Most of the people I meet have that story. They're not the Ivy League, I came from money story. Wait, what kind of car was it though? Oh, dude, it was a 2002 Camaro. Ooh, that's uncomfortable. Hey, well, the seat doesn't need pretty far back. Damn, bro. <laughs> I wouldn't even fit in a Camaro right now. No. But um, here, I'll, I'll commit. I'll see you guys in Omaha. You'll All see right, cool. There. Well, that'll be awesome. I know it'll be a huge value add for you. There are a bunch of people from our RIA. So the president of the Omaha RIA is an agent at our Keller Williams office. So his name's Ted Kosh. Great guy. He has the fastest growing RIA in the nation. Uh, he's doing a lot of really cool things. And I don't know what your RIA looks like in Denver, but I know that that'll be a big opportunity for you. So for everyone else listening who wants to get more into investing, of course, our workshop covers that. But we also are focused on, and the reason it was created was around team building. The neat thing we found is this hybrid agent model where the agent serves as both an investor and a realtor assisting in the buy-sell, but also playing a role for the investment company that either they own or that they represent. So you'll get to learn all about that and more here in March, here just in a couple of weeks from now. So Nick, thank you so much again. You guys can reach out to him at I'm Nick Cooley um, on Instagram and message the heck out of him. And the last big ask is if you have yet to go out and give a quick review for the Team Building Podcast, right now we're averaging about 10,000 listens a month. We'd like to get that to 100,000. And we only can do that by you helping with the Apple algorithm by going out to the Apple Podcast and giving us a five-star review. If you enjoyed today's episode, give a shout out to Nick for dedicating his time to this today. And Nick, again, thank you so much. Glad to be here, man. Thanks for having me.